Michael, let me start today's episode by asking you a question about who typically does the cooking in your household. Is it is it you? Is it your wife? Is it, it a mix? You know, just depending on the day. <laughs> yeah, so I do most of the cooking in the house. I always have. I think it's just uh, my Sicilian roots. I just really enjoy it. Well, you know what? I have some Italian and Sicilian <laughs> in my blood as well. And maybe that's why I do most of the cooking too. Uh, it's just something I always love too. Uh, kind of a relaxing, you know, de-stressing kind of thing for me. Plus, I just love food, so there's that too. So what do you enjoy cooking most? If you just, you got the whole Sunday, what, what do you make? Okay, so I, while I am Italian and Sicilian uh, in my roots, I actually love barbecue. So if I had the entire day carved out, I would be smoking some meats, like maybe some ribs, some brisket. Uh, obviously, that's not like an everyday kind of thing. I usually don't sure. have hours upon hours, but... Um, yeah, it, most nights I usually end up cooking from, uh, believe it or not, a meal delivery kit that we mm. subscribe to and, and have for a very long time. And that's actually what today's episode's all about. Oh, yeah? Yes. Today, we're going to be digging into probably one of the biggest meal delivery kits out there, Blue Apron. And we're going to discuss its rise and where it stands in the marketplace today. Okay. Well, let's get into all that right after we cue the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play. Rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So for today's episode, we've got some interesting things cooking here. Oh, okay. Let's see what you did there, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Again, <laughs> we're going to talk about Blue Apron, uh, one of the highest profile meal delivery kits out there. It's now a public company having IPO'd back in 2017. But 
I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves yet. Uh, let's go back in time to when Blue Apron was actually just getting started. We'd have to go back in time nearly an entire decade, as it was back in August of 2012 when the founders of Blue Apron, Matt Salzberg, Illa Pappas, and Matt Wadiak, first began shipping off boxes containing the ingredients to cook recipes that the team had come up with. This was the very start of Blue Apron. Wadiak was a trained chef who actually owned a Pilates studio. Okay, and Pappas and Salzburg, well, they were more tech guys, right? Salzburg was the venture capitalist who had worked at Blackstone and Bessemer Venture Partners, while Pappas was a software engineer. And I suppose for a venture like Blue Apron, one that would require a lot of capital, a lot of knowledge around food distribution and operations, and, well, one that would require knowledge around what people want when it comes to cooking meals— Maybe a combination of those three backgrounds is actually pretty fitting for a company like Blue Apron. Their concept? Well, we'll go into this clip from CNN Business from about five years ago for that. Imagine never having to go to the supermarket to shop for a meal ever again. That's the utopian dream Blue Apron could make a reality. The company started in a kitchen in Queens in 2012, and the idea is pretty simple. Deliver a recipe and the exact ingredients you need to make it right to your door. Of course, it actually didn't start like that. Uh, the early venture that Salzburg and Pappas actually started didn't even have food in the equation at all. According to Alex Conrad of Forbes, the two had planned to launch a Kickstarter-like crowdfunding platform for research scientists. That company was called Petri Dish. Now, Pappas was to move to New York City to be with Salzburg, and the two raised money for that venture. And they did. They raised money to the tune of $800,000. But soon, they realized that their concept wasn't really feasible. They needed to go back to the drawing board, but they had most of the capital still intact. So if they were able to come up with a game-changing idea, they could still act upon it. Then, one day, Pappas came into the office after hunting down ingredients to make an Argentinian-style steak. And he had a little bit of an aha moment. Wouldn't it be awesome if somebody delivered you the ingredients in the right amounts? He asked Salzburg. And that is how Blue Apron originated and came up with the concept of the meal delivery kits that they now offer today. Well, they didn't actually come up with the concept of meal delivery kits. There was a company in Sweden already doing that. In fact, at the point in time where Pappas had his aha moment, that company was already generating $45 million of revenue just inside of Sweden. That fact didn't deter the two though. It only encouraged them in that there was an opportunity here. So they founded Part and Parsley. Part and Parsley? <laughs> yeah, the early incarnation of what would later become Blue Apron, a company focused on bringing simplicity Back to cooking. Yeah, but Blue Apron wasn't alone in this race to popularize the meal kit concept inside of the United States. Just as it was getting started, another very similar company, Plated, was also getting started in New York. And both of those companies were even behind another European company, HelloFresh, which was further popularizing the concept in Europe. So in many respects, the race was on. In those early days, the three founders would be the ones to pick up and ship out meal kits themselves over and over again. At first, they focused on the East Coast market in the United States, but it was enough to catch the attention of investors. February 2013, they would raise $3 million in their first real funding round as Blue Apron. There were several investors, including Bessemer Venture Partners, the same firm that Salzburg worked in right before he decided to transition from investor to founder. Yeah, and those funding rounds would continue over the next year alone for Blue Apron. Six months after that first $3 million round, there was a $5 million venture round. 
Just eight months after that, there was a $50 million venture round. Blue Apron's valuation at that time had increased 17 times over the previous round just eight months prior. All of that funding would go to scale Blue Apron's operations. In that time, it would begin a marketing blitz to build awareness and open itself up to new markets, namely nationwide distribution within the United States. But to make that possible, it needed to open up several distribution centers and bulk up on staffing. And all these exercises to scale the business, well, they were working. Blue Apron's business did scale at this time. In fact, in 2014, Blue Apron had close to $78 million in net revenue. Of course, it also had $108 million in operating expenses with $14 million in marketing <laughs> alone. So it wasn't yet profitable, but it was proving out that there was a market for meal delivery kits like the ones that it was shipping out. Yeah, let's go back to that CNN business segment from before. This was from January 2015, right at the point where Blue Apron was experiencing this incredible growth. You'll hear from co-founder and CTO Ilya Pappas and then co-founder and CEO Matt Salzberg in this segment with correspondent Katie Quinn. Food is a $700 billion industry and online grocery makes up less than 2% of that. And it's one of the few industries that's, that's completely untapped by online. Customers are just beginning to trust food coming to their homes that they can, they can order over the internet. It's just the perfect time for us to really be launching this product and, and coming into people's homes because it's really an untapped market. Blue Apron now delivers over a million meals a month to more than 200,000 customers in 39 states and D.C. When we first got started, every kind of projection we put in place and where we thought it would be, we just kind of blew through. We had a three-year plan and we blew through it in the first year. Are you the grocery store killer? You know, there's a place in the world for grocery stores and there always is going to be that, I think. But our model is better for a large segment of the population. More on what happened next during the rise of Blue Apron after a short break. Before the break, we learned about the rise of Blue Apron, one of the first US-based meal delivery kit companies that was starting to hit scale. Of course, hitting scale meant needing to raise money and a lot of it. The entire process of purveying food from local growers and having that shipped to a distribution facility where it would be refrigerated, then backed out into individual boxes and shipped to consumers that it arrived to them fresh enough to cook, well, required a lot of capital to fund the operations. And Blue Apron continued to raise that capital in June of 2015. It would announce its biggest fundraise to date, $135 million. Here's Matt Salzberg on this Bloomberg Quick Take segment talking about what they plan to do with this fresh capital. Well, you know, we're not a startup anymore. Um, we're only, we're just under three years old, but the company has really grown quite a lot since we started. And we now have hundreds of thousands of people all over the country cooking with us. And the demand for what we do, which is obviously deliver recipes and all the ingredients people need to cook those recipes in exactly the right amount is just so huge. We're really investing in our fulfillment infrastructure and our supply chain to allow us to just get people fresher food at better prices and help them cook at home. And we are actually one of the fundamental um, components of our business model is to take waste out of the supply chain all along the supply chain. You know, we, on the consumer side, we're portioning food into exactly the right quantities so you're not throwing out food that you're buying from the grocery store because you don't have the right amounts. On our side, since we have subscription-based memberships, we're actually planning our demand really well and we don't take inventory on perishable food like a grocery store does. And on our supplier side, we're working so closely with hundreds of farms and different family-run businesses. We're actually working with them to plan their production too. On that same segment, there was an interesting question asked of Matt though. 
Yeah? Let's go back to it. Okay, Eric and our producers are going to yell at me for asking. When you talk about the importance of supply chain, is your dream for Amazon to buy you? When I think of who understands supply chain better than anyone else, it's Amazon. Is that your dream deal? No, to be honest, you know, we're not looking to build a company that's just getting acquired. You know, we're building an independent institution and we're trying to change the way that America cooks and eats. And so we're building Unless ourselves. Unless you can make a ton of dough and sell it to somebody. You know, look, we're obviously <laughs> looking out for our investors and trying to do as well as we can, but we're actually looking to build an independent institution and we care a lot about our mission. Is the dream to be acquired by Amazon? Matt Salazar says no, but more on this in just a bit. After this fresh round of funding, aside from continuing to build out the logistics infrastructure, Blue Apron was also investing in new product lines. Blue Apron Wine was one of them. Wait, so would Blue Apron ship you the ingredients so that you could make your own wine? No, no. <laughs> it was just a wine subscription service <laughs> shipping you okay. bottles of wine to enjoy with your meals that they're also shipping to you. It would compete with the wine.coms of the world, but it's an example of another product line, another way that they could extend their total addressable market with customers. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, that definitely makes sense. But with this product extension uh, and the expansion in infrastructure and the continued revenue growth, Blue Apron started to set its sights on even more funding, but it wouldn't be coming from VC investors. They started to eye the event that so many startup companies dream of and hope that they could one day make possible, an initial public offering. Blue Apron assembled its team of financial advisors, investment bankers, and set off for the roadshow of meetings with prospective institutional investors that would participate in the eventual IPO. The Wall Street bankers estimated that they'd be able to value the deal such that Blue Apron would be able to raise $3.2 billion in funding. And then something happened. Here's a segment from CNN on what happened next. Huge news that could change the way you shop for food. Amazon is buying organic grocery giant Whole Foods for $13.7 billion. Now, how is this going to change the Whole Foods experience? What if you're not an Amazon Prime customer? Can I still go to Whole Foods stores and buy my weekly dotes of quinoa? Yes, Amazon is not planning to shut down any of the brick and mortar retailers. Whole Foods obviously has struggled in the past couple of years making this a deal that made sense for them. The reputation of it being whole paycheck, concerns about them having exorbitantly high prices. Remember the whole asparagus water thing? John Oliver had a field day with that one. Six dollars. Now Whole Foods doesn't have to worry about how its stock is going to react when late night comedians bash it. That's Jeff Bezos's problem. Amazon is clearly experimenting with how it wants to rule retail. It has a physical bookstore, for example. It has Amazon Fresh, which delivers food to you, but you can also, quote unquote, click and collect, go and pick up something that you ordered online. Amazon is even experimenting with its own food store in its hometown of Seattle with no cash registers. So this is gonna be interesting to see whether or not Jeff Bezos can transform the grocery business the way he has done other aspects of retail and even media. Amazon was buying Whole Foods one of the biggest tech companies in the world that knows a lot about logistics, they were further entrenching themselves in the grocery business. And right on that announcement, the value of shares from companies like Kroger, Target, Walmart, Costco, they all started going down. That probably isn't good news for a company like Blue Apron, right? Especially since it was on its roadshow, the timing, it probably couldn't be worse for them. Yeah, it was horrible timing. 
Bloomberg's Alex Barinka discusses this unique situation of Amazon announcing its acquisition while Blue Apron is on its IPO roadshow right here. The timing interesting here. A lot has changed in the last few days. What does that mean for Blue Apron? It's going to be another challenge that they're going to have to justify on this uh, roadshow, which launched today. So this is a company that operates in a space. We know that food delivery is so fueled by competition. It's an expensive space to operate in because so much of the costs do go to marketing. You're always fighting. Uh, it's kind of a land grab out there for wallet share for, cons for customers. This is especially tricky for Blue Apron in that Whole Foods will now potentially have uh, the logistical empire that is Amazon and Amazon customers will have more access to Whole Foods. Why is that important? Because those are the kind of high earner customers, the top 10%, let's say, of U.S. households who are willing to spend uh, a little bit more to get the quality that Whole Foods promises. Well, that kind of happens to be the same group that Blue Apron is targeting. I spoke to an analyst earlier today who said, look, they're all fighting for the same wallet share here of these high spending customers. It's going to be hard for Blue Apron to fight down the value chain because, frankly, folks are just not willing to spend $11, $12 a plate uh, for a box of fresh food, granted, but that might spoil. So when you think about uh, where Blue Apron's growth is going to be, they're going to have to figure out how to make sure that they are the ones nabbing those dollars from those high-end consumers and not uh, Whole Foods via Amazon. Not the kind of sentiment you'd want when you're on your IPO roadshow. No, but Blue Apron did eventually IPO, and we're going to talk about that IPO and what happened afterwards right after one more short break. So before the break, we talked about the rise of Blue Apron and its march to an eventual IPO. While most companies that continue to grow until an IPO would be generating a lot of excitement and buzz, for Blue Apron, well, they were generating a lot of questions from the market. Namely, how are they going to compete with the likes of Amazon, which just acquired high-end grocery store chain Whole Foods? All of this happening right at the time that Blue Apron was on its IPO roadshow. Now, Blue Apron would eventually follow through with an IPO, but it was a much different type of IPO than Blue Apron and its bankers they were actually hoping for. Here's Alex Barinka again, along with Techonomy CEO David Kirkpatrick in this Bloomberg News segment just after Blue Apron priced its IPO. The initial valuation they went out at at a $3.2 billion market value at the high end, that's what they were trying to get when they launched this IPO, did not come to fruition. Right now they're sitting at a $1.9 billion market valuation. And if I'm an investor, I'm sitting back, I'm looking at this company, I'm saying, where's the growth? And I'm saying, how are you going to afford it? Because frankly, when I look at this cash position, it seems like they actually might need some money soon. So some of that could be uh, a, a playing into this uh, downward or very flat pressure for Blue Apron shares. David, should investors be concerned about Blue Apron simply because of Amazon Whole Foods or because of all these other things that Alex has mentioned? I think that if I were in any kind of food delivery related business, I would be watching Amazon with incredible care. And the fact that they bought Whole Foods, which surprised most of us, I think just goes to show the seriousness with which they view food as, as you know, a part of their conquer the world and all the world strategy. So yes, I do think so. I think they should worry, seriously. The IPO didn't really go so well. Yes, they did raise the $300 million in fresh capital, but it came at a big cost. In fact, the valuation was just over half of what it was planning to raise when it started the roadshow. 
And there's some concern that it would actually need more funding before too long. In its first month and a half after trading, shares were down as much as 50%. Not a place you want to be after you just IPO'd. In the following months, right around that time, Matt Wadiak, Blue Apron's original chef, stepped down as COO. Four months later, Matt Salzberg resigned as CEO, which came not long after Blue Apron laid off hundreds of staff in an effort to better manage costs. By December 2018, the value of Blue Apron stock dipped below a dollar, more than a 90% drop from its original IPO price. Things just continued to look worse and worse. But then things started to actually look up. For Blue Apron. Are you talking about its partnership with Beyond Meat, the plant-based vegan meat company it inked to deal with? Well, no, but um, that definitely helped a bit. It got some buzz going for it, and things were, were looking a little better. But what I'm talking about is something else altogether, the COVID-19 pandemic. For, for many businesses, the pandemic was a huge blow, but for Blue Apron, it actually helped this business big time, at least at first. Yeah, and it makes sense because I could tell you that when COVID-19 struck in spring 2020, I relied on the dinner subscription box that my family subscribes to. I didn't want to go to the grocery store, right? I didn't want to be around anybody outside of my family. So it was very convenient to have our dinner ingredients dropped right off on our doorstep. And many other people, they did the same thing with Blue Apron and other subscription boxes like it. And did that kind of demand keep up? Since things started to reopen? Uh, that's the thing. Not yeah. quite. It's total customers and total revenue. It's declined each year since 2020. For Blue Apron, it's been a real challenge to deal with the return of indoor dining and continued popularity of delivery services on top of all the other competition that it already was having to deal with. Where things stand today? Well, Blue Apron is continuing to try to innovate. It's continued to add to its offerings, offering things like its butcher bundle, packs of protein to supplement other meals that customers may be purchasing. This past summer, they had a lobster roll pack that seemed to be pretty popular. They even partnered with Walmart to offer non-subscription boxes that people could order through Walmart's marketplace. Yeah, they, they have tried all sorts of things like that, but if you asked investors if those things were working, they would probably say not yet. Uh, today, Blue Apron's stock price sits right about where it did a year ago. I think it's like $4, a lot less than what it originally IPO'd at. Um, although these days, maybe it's not so bad to be in the same place you were a year ago. I mean, if you look at where the S&P 500 was a year ago, it's actually much lower. So Blue Apron sitting around the same place, maybe it's a sign that things aren't so bad compared to the rest of the market. It's still not a profitable business, although it was able to turn a profit during the early days of the pandemic. Those days are behind us and time will tell the whether it can find its way back out of the red. Yeah, so the story will continue to go on. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see if they're able to turn things around again. Uh, until then though, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on the company and the new product lines. And if that wasn't already sold out, I will say I, I may have bought one of those lobster roll kits, but but it is sold out. So maybe that's a good sign for them. But uh, yeah, I could go for a lobster roll right now. <laughs> well, you'll have to see if they open that back up. But until they do, that's going to be it for today. For Mike Belsito, this is Michael Saka. You've been listening to Rocketship.fm. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to the Podglomerate 
rocketship.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.